You ever hear the crash at Crush? No, what is that? This this is going to really uh, do it for you, I think. It was, I'm going off of memory, but I'll open up Wikipedia if I need to. It was a publicity stunt in the late 19th century, late 1800s. Oh, this is when they would watch trains crash into each yeah, other. Yeah, they would just. Oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the best. Uh, it was a tremendous disaster. Just oh, these, was it? Well, I mean, it was it wasn't uh, it, it was it was extraordinarily dangerous, uh-huh. more so than most, because people were crowding right up to the tracks. <laughs> well, you, get, you want to get close? Crash at Crush. The Crash at Crush is the is the 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 place the town named Crush. It was a little tiny, like it was back in the days where you could just form a town for a day. Yeah, okay. And the guy who formed it was named William George Crush. Unincorporated. Yeah, just find some desert land yeah. and name it after yourself, and there you go. Put up a saloon, maybe a brothel, a couple swing doors, and you're good to go. Yeah, a one day publicity stunt in the U.S. state of Can you guess? I already said it, but Texas. Okay, uh, that took place on September 15, 1896, in which two uncrewed locomotives (key detail) were <laughs> crashed into each other head on at high speed. William George Crush, general passenger agent of the Missouri Kansas Texas Railroad, conceived the idea in order to demonstrate a staged train wreck as a public spectacle. No admission was charged. Hence the enormous crowd that gathered. And train fares to the crash site, called Crush, set up as a temporary destination for the event, were offered at the reduced rate of $3.50, equivalent to $114 in 2021. Close enough. Were the trains that they were transporting people there also the same ones that they would end up crashing into each other? No, these were obsolete trains. So they had really a lot of trains involved. Well, this was the age of rail. Yeah. They definitely did. Carnegie. The crash was delayed for an hour because the crowd resisted being pressed back by the police to what was supposedly a safe distance. When the article uses the word supposedly, Supposedly. you're you're in danger. Yeah, you were in trouble. At about 5 p.m., the two trains pulling cars loaded with railroad ties slowly met in the middle of the track to be photographed. They were then rolled to their starting points at opposite ends of the track. Crush, riding a white charger... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> signaled the start of the main event <laughs> at that point i think you have to shout tally-ho <laughs> if you are atop a charger uh the engineers and crew aboard each train opened the steam to a prearranged setting rode for exactly four turns of the drive wheels and then jumped from the trains which had to feel sick yeah that, yeah that's pretty <laughs> cool just bail on a train and watch it hit another one uh the september 16th issue of the dallas morning news described what happened next Bad side. <laughs> the rumble of the two trains, faint and far off at first, but growing nearer and more distinct with each fleeting second, was like the gathering force of a cyclone. Nearer and nearer they came, the whistles of each blowing repeatedly, and the torpedoes, which had been placed on the track, exploding in almost a continuous round like the rattle of musketry. A, a torpedo is not like a submarine torpedo, by the right, way. It's, it's a railway detonator uh, used as a loud warning signal to train drivers. They rolled down at a frightful rate of speed to within a quarter of a mile of each other. So this is a long track. There a lot of buildup here. You, I mean, these are huge locomotives. you got to get some space together, up momentum. Uh, nearer and nearer, as they approached the fatal meeting place, bad sign, <laughs> the rumbling increased, the roaring grew louder. An interruption by Wikipedia in the article here. Oh, come each, on. Each train reached a speed of about 45 miles per hour. Okay. Which is... I mean, great. two trains. Two trains. That's, yeah. Uh, especially in... Uh, 1896. That was probably, yeah. That's like the fastest anybody's ever seen anything (laughs) go in their lives. Uh, By the time they met near the anticipated spot, though, some observers believe they were traveling much faster. Shortly after the trains collided, there was a large explosion. Quote, a crash, a sound of timbers rent and torn, and then a shower of splinters. There was just a swift instance of silence, 
and then, as if controlled by a single impulse, both boilers exploded simultaneously, and the air was filled with flying missiles of iron and steel, varying in size from a postage stamp to half of a driving wheel. Debris was blown hundreds of feet into the air. Panic quickly broke out as as the crowd turned and ran. (laughs) Some of the debris came down among the spectators, killing two. Not good. Not good. And seriously injuring at least six others. Okay. I got to say, surprise is that low. (laughs) A photographer, Jarvis Joe Dean of Waco. I don't know why they put Joe. You don't get Joe from Jarvis. Oh, is it it Jarvis? Yeah, Joe in in quotes. uh, Dean of Waco. Yeah. Lost one eye to a flying bolt. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. The locomotives and their boxcars were reduced to scraps of wood and steel. Quote, all that remained of the two engines and 12 cars was a smoking mass of fractured metal and kindling wood, except one car on the rear of each train, which had been left untouched. The engines had both been completely telescoped. <laughs> Uh, and contrary to experience in such cases, instead of rising in the air from the force of the blow, were just flattened out. There was nothing about the cars big enough to save except pieces of wood, which were eagerly seized upon and carried home as souvenirs. Real wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just watched two of my neighbors die. One guy lose an eye to a piece of rebar. <laughs> what I got to do, my first move, grab a chunk of wood and have somebody grab autograph a splinter. it. Like... Okay, so uh, so obviously we don't want stuff like this to happen. I'm sensing a but. However, <laughs> I remember I, it was one of the first few podcasts where I said I... I, I you long for the bygone days of uh, like whatever yeah, this is. Late 19th century, like, mm-hmm. you know, 1800s. Just the like, absolute explosion of insane everything things Everything is a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Like even even the uh, even the article that's just a that's just a that was just how they wrote a random newspaper of the day and like nobody writes like that anymore. That's true. You're not going to find an article like that on CNN where somebody's <laughs> writing like that. Nearer and nearer they came. Yeah, like that, right. It's a because it, it's like it's a story. They they were writing it as a an actual know. narrative. Almost, yes, or at yeah. least with a description that would make sense in one. The story made national headlines, and Crush was immediately fired from the railroad. Here's my favorite detail. Okay. Uh, in light of a lack of negative publicity, however, <laughs> he was rehired the next day <laughs> and continued to work for the company until his retirement in a career spanning six decades. I, I guess to what what to what end was the was the were they trying to raise? They weren't trying to raise money because they they were, their, their tickets were yeah, free. They didn't take admission, yeah. Was it just to bring attention to uh, the town? Well, of Crush? they didn't. They didn't. Cha- they didn't charge any money for the event, but they but the did train charge people. Yeah, to get oh, okay. to the event on Which, their train. To be honest, three dollars to see a train crash into well, another train. One hundred and fourteen in uh, today's dollars. Today's dollars. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a little. It's a little bit. I'd still like to see it. I gotta say, inflation numbers like that always, always throw me for a loop. Yeah. Three dollars and fifty cents, which is equivalent to two thousand sixty-one dollars. <laughs> three bucks? No way. But these are the days where you could, like, you know, pay for someone's, like, like two weeks of someone's wages with right. pocket change. Yeah, nickel. Yeah. Yep. No, I'll lash it till Tuesday. <laughs> Six-year-olds working in the coal mines, smoking pipes. I just think we need more spectacles. I mean, you could say we live in a spectacle. Right? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Wait, should we start the show for real? Oh, sure. Yeah. 
I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I know. Me too. Listening to Never Better, a show that never gets any better, except for those rare occasions when it does. By complete coincidence, one of my co-hosts is missing this week. Now, before anybody speaks up, I would like to give you, the listener, a brief window to place a little mental wager on which of the two is missing. And that window closes in three, two, one. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? That's me. Oh, <laughs> now they won't know. That's true. It could be anybody. Craig Gray. Thank you. Good to be here, Spencer. with me this week. Michael Rios. We're just kidding. We, I said the show was better with that. I was kidding. I was kidding. He's going to take it. Where he's going to take it personally. <laughs> it's just jokes. Michael's going to spiral. <laughs> he's never coming back from that lake. If you got it wrong, if you guessed that Craig was gone this week, Email $5 to mailbox at Never Better. That's right. That works. Just do it. That's a verbal contract. Yep. You were about to say something before I introduced the show for real. Right. Before all the uh, pre-show. Yeah. Um, That's a lot of pre-show. I'll have to figure out something to do with that. I was thinking about um, today, just a few hours ago, actually. Really? If you were in a bar and Dick Wolf walked in. Is the question, would I have any idea? Would you know? No, absolutely not. Of course not. not, right? No. And Dick Wolf is the... The, you the know, producer of Law and Executive producer of Law and Order, but he does, like a, he does a bunch of shows. Oh, yeah. And I, I looked it up today. Do you know... Let's. I want to ask you two things. Well, I'm going to ask you one thing, and then I'm going to tell you a second thing. <laughs> okay. What do you think Dick Wolf's net worth is? Oh, I would have to say... Um... Let's go with uh, 300, $300 million. Okay, that's a good guess. $600 million. $600 million. Yeah, and that's post-divorce. Oh, he's divorced. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's Hollywood types, you know? That's true. That's true. And then... Uh, Hard so times for Mrs. Dick Wolf. I was reading this article today, and um, so like in, in the process of him getting divorced, you know, they had to file a bunch of like paperwork as to like how much he makes and like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Dick Wolf... Through all of the royalties, was this whole thing just a, a ploy for you to say the phrase "Dick Wolf" as many times? I mean, as it's you a funny name for it, sure. Yeah. Through all of his shows, law, all of the one million Law and Order variants, he and does they a, keep making them. All he does a bunch of other like police procedural shows it's than Law and knows. Order. That's all he knows. He you makes, wonder why that abolished the police movement died in the cradle because Dick Wolf's Dick Wolf. $600 million put it in the ground. He'd have nothing else to do. Big police p- procedural. PPP. Mm-hmm. Um, PPP. Um, through all of his royalties, for all the shows that are running 24-7 on like TBS and the USA Network. And your parents are watching them 24-7. Right. Dick Wolf makes about $400,000 a day. What? In royalties. That is uh, it is inconceivable to me. My God, I can't picture four hundred thousand dollars. Like I, I cannot. I don't know what that's like. And he makes that in one day. In a day, if I made that in a day, you would never see me. Again. No <laughs> offense. Do you think he's even good at his job? 
I don't know what his job is. He's a producer. Exactly. That's what I, I think he just came up with the first idea. What for if Law cops Order. did their jobs? <laughs> Check that out, huh? For 60 minutes every week. Every week. Cops and attorneys. Cops and attorneys do their jobs. And then, but he's not even, somebody else directs and yeah. hires and writes did, it, acts he's it. He's just, was like, you know what we should do? We and, should put a really funny name at the end of every episode. And that's his whole contribution to the, <laughs> to his empire. What does he do? What does a producer do? I mean, I think he's just an idea guy. I guess. But like, the, the I, ideas are just, what if we looked at the newspaper this week and wrote a new episode? I think what it does is Dick Wolf's name, mm-hmm. if, you, if it generates some sort of credibility for police procedurals. Mm-hmm. If you're watching a pr- police procedural that doesn't have Dick Wolf's name at the, in the title card... It's like you. It's like you're getting the store brand. Yes, it's the great value of police procedurals. <laughs> like that guy. That guy is the American dream. Come yeah. up with just some random idea, have other people execute, and then just reap, reap the benefits for it's decades. Like, you know the the, uh, the old apocryphal story of uh, was it James Cameron who went into the pitch meeting for the sequel to Alien, and he just wrote Alien on a whiteboard. To you know the, the shareholders or whoever, uh-huh. and then he he wrote uh, he wrote Aliens rather. This is for Alien Two, the for, sequel for Aliens. Okay, Which the sequel is... to Alien. Okay, uh, and he, he so he writes Aliens on the whiteboard and then turns to the stockholders and draws uh, two lines down the middle of the S. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I had, like I had not heard that story. Yeah, yeah, I think it's true. I, I feel like I remember hitting, like corroborating it at some point. Like, oh yeah, I did that. It's a good move, but I feel like. Dick Wolf just does that with police, but he spells it with an S. Yeah. Every every time they come up with a new Law and Order one, it's like, or like maybe maybe with like sex crimes, and he puts yeah, it on yeah, both yeah. S's. Or he goes, um, "What if we did police instead of New York, mm. Chicago?" And then Whoa. everybody just like drops their pens and it's like, "God damn it, oh Dick, you did it God. again!" And then he gets you know five percent. God for... about Chicago. <laughs> But I, but like, he's this ultra famous. Like the name is very yeah. famous. Nobody would know who he is if you no. walked in. If you excellent, him. truly unimpeachable set of knuckle tattoos. By the way, Dick Wolf. Oh, okay. I thought you said. I thought you were going to say Dick Wolf has knuckle tattoos. If he doesn't, he should strongly consider it. Man, you know who I I think about often mm. as, as far as like O.J. Simpson. You I do think, think about. I him think a lot. about him a lot. Why is that? Because he's just like. He's like he's on the internet. Yeah, like nothing happened. That is true. He maintains nothing happened. I forget. I know we've talked about this before, but I I, I am constantly floored at his insistence. Like, no, I'm never going back to where that crime happened. Because what if what if whoever killed them is going <laughs> to kill me next? I, I mean, I I remember it's happened like recently. I, I if I had if i was prepared i would have done some research but oh we don't do that on this it was something that happened recently and he was like he made a video about like how he deplores violence in any sense in like in all cases and it's like <laughs> this is unbelievable what it would what does your mind have mindset have to be like to be oj simpson i don't know like i just do you think he's like He's he's warped it in his head so much that he doesn't think genuinely doesn't think he did it. It could be. I don't know what it's like to because he's he's hey Twitter world he's he's on the <laughs> golf course. <laughs> yeah. 
but he's he's just talking about he's talking about football. Yep. He's talking about his fantasy football team yep. and how he you know got a couple birdies today at the golf. It's it's unbelievable. Like if I was in his position, you'd never see me again. If I got if I got away with it, <laughs> right? And I got out of jail, you'd never see me again. He wrote a book called "If, if I, did, I did, it. did It." Yeah, and they made the "if" real small. Well, the, I think the family, well, got the family the, did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah Nicole's mm-hmm. family got the rights and. They wouldn't let them change the title, so they just made it like made it real small. They made the word "if" this almost the same color as like the background of the yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On every post, everybody is just everybody in his comments is just murderer, murderer, right. knife emoji, knife emoji, yeah. and <laughs> blood, drop, just, blood, blood drop, blood drop, skull. And then next video, he's just right back at it. Hey, hey what's Twitter up? world, yeah. Man, maybe that's the power of Twitter to warp the human mind. Do you think that's what it is? It is powerful. It's it's a horrible place. Don't go there. I just wish like there was like some sort of universal like law. Oh. Where like on okay. Dictator Craig coming out. Like if, if you get like let's say you if you're OJ, you get away with it. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Okay, but you like all oh, right. You you went through the criminal justice system, you got away with it. All right. But on your deathbed, <laughs> you have to you gotta you have to be honest about everything. You in your are life. a big fan of the dramatic reveal. Yeah. Or the like I'm, your your whole sweating in the courtroom thing, <laughs> no AC in the courtroom. I'm just I'm just saying like you love a heightened scenario. OJ played the game mm. that the the he he played under the 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 justice rules of the time, and through a ver a variety of of factors and you know breaks that he got he got away with it. If he did it, if he allegedly. Hey hey. Jury said he didn't do it. We got it. We got to acknowledge. I just wish legally that, in the eyes of the United States, he didn't do it. Yeah, I just wish in the laws of the physical universe, if you get away with it, you, you have gotta fess to, up. You have to end. fess up eventually. I do like that. I don't know how we enforce that. I mean, you what can't, are we going to do? Kill you? Like, <laughs> well, like I, I almost not even like it was a law, but it was just some sort of like, oh, like an innate biological thing, like yeah. your psychological. Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotta, I gotta come clean. And we're not gonna put him back in prison. We're not gonna no, because he's on his deathbed. What would be the point? Oh yeah, he'd die on the way over. But we have to know. <laughs> I can get behind that. I don't know how we'd enforce it. Like I said, or how we, how we, you know, make it a enact it. But uh, but I get it. I see where you're at. I would just like to live one day in the in the brain of OJ Simpson. I just wonder what he thinks about. Does he does he know when he's recording those videos? Does he know in the back of his mind like I'm fooling all these people, or that you know, <laughs> or has, or he, fooled has he completely fooled? Yeah, fooled himself. Pulled the wool over his own eyes. Hard to guess. I was gonna segue into this like half an hour ago, but I we're we're too far beyond it now. Yeah, we're in it. You had a suggestion, I, th- I think, for a, a segment. I did, yeah. Uh, and I'm very excited. I, I really enjoy the contribution. Um, I'm calling it Abby Normal. <laughs> okay. For those of you who've seen Young Frankenstein, that won't sound nearly as original and creative as it would to those of you who have not. Wait, so, I have not seen it. What? Wonderful. All right. Let's it keep sounds it very way. original to me. Perfect. Let's not trouble those waters. Abby who? Abby Normal. Why don't you explain what you intended this segment to be? To before? be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot of the, the history here, but so there's a the 
a Dear Abby column uh-huh. is a is a is a common thing in a lot of newspapers and magazines or whatever. Well, it's a syndicated thing. It's a but is it like it's just one? It's one thing. One Abby. There's one Abby. Yep. I, I okay. Ah, uh, you thought there was like a. Like how every parent is Santa Claus. I, <laughs> every newspaper has their own Dear I, Abby. That's kind of what I thought it was. No, 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 no. It's a nationally syndicated column. But from what newspaper? Just as I Abby, her own run, thing? I think she might be her own thing. She probably has a home newspaper, but I don't know which okay. one it is. Uh, that's not her real name, by the way. Uh, but so this, there was this, this basically, it was basically Quora before Quora, where um, <laughs> you can just submit your most bizarre, inhuman questions. You'd submit questions anonymously to yep. Abby, as and, you know, longing in Louisville or sleepless in Seattle, right. etc. And then she would write back her advice from you know you would you'd write in with some kind from of problem. Her ivory tower, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then she would give you advice on um, how to proceed. That's right. Proceed. Pauline Phillips, her real name, the original. Is she dead now? I believe so. Oh. It is carried on today by her daughter, uh, oh, Jean Phillips. That's nice. Well, you say nice. This is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about before we get into the questions. Okay. The, the idea behind the segment, I believe, is that we, uh, we re-examine yeah, the, you can the go, questions and the answers. There's been some real... There's been very good... Uh, hmm? I'm waving know. your hand, but the audience can't they've, hear that. They've archived a lot of ah, yes. uh, historic uh, yes, questions yes, yes, to yes. Abby. Do you know when the first Ask Abby was? I, I don't know when. I don't. You mean Dear Abby? Dear Abby, sure. You're thinking of Ask Ann Landers. This is what I was about to tell I you. I was not thinking of that. Well, Ask Ann Landers, uh, one of the, the main advice columns pre Dear Abby, is run by Pauline Phillips's sister, whose name, if you'll believe this, is Epi Lederer. E P P I E. That's Epi? correct. Wow. Epi. Yeah, you've moved to the next round of the spelling book. <laughs> so the, you mean to tell me there's dueling? Oh yes, Within advice forums. Thing. So it was, it was Epi Letterer, Epi Letterer's uh, Epi Letterer running Ask Ann Landers, another classic advice column. Epi is Letterer's Epi, sister, is Epi Pauline Letterer, Phillips. alive? I don't think so. Should be that a, was, there needs to be a family tree here. I think she took that over in like the fifties. Oh, okay. Well, at which point I assume she was already a, an established adult. Right. Uh, but so it's her, her sister running Dear Abby, and then Dear Abby's daughter, uh-huh. uh, Jean Phillips, takes over Dear Abby. So, like, America, just all of America, has been getting most of its newspaper based from the same family. From one family. Wow. For like 70 something years. It's like the Rockefellers. It's insane. Standard oil. It's messed up. And that's why we're here. Break up this monopoly. And decentralize. Right. Decentralize advice. <laughs> Nationalizing, dear Abby, for you, the listener, for whom we care so much. All I believe, nineteen of you. Right. You got to start somewhere, Spencer. Yep. If we can change one life on this podcast, <laughs> it'll be worth it. Well, we already got one guy into a car accident, so uh, <laughs> I think mission accomplished there. So now we got to do two good ones to make up for <laughs> to make up for that one. That's right. So there, I, I pulled a handful of questions here. I've, I've actually got, uh, well, the one that we absolutely have to talk about, which I'm going to say for later. Because they others. would do these things like almost, I mean, weekly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, I think for it was daily. Decades. Yeah. So you can really go back in the archives here. Oh, yeah. I have, uh, like last week, how about you give me a number from one to four? How about three? Three. Which one is that? Ah, that's a good one. 
Dear Abby, the question begins. This is from 19, uh, August 11th, 1997. Okay. My hairdresser, whom I have patronized, patronized or patronized? Patronized. I see what you're saying. One means I give them my business. The other one means I treat them like a child. And yeah. those two should not be that yeah, close together I, in the English language. I have given this hairdresser my business, okay. we'll say, All right. for 14 years. Uh, they recently started a conversation about tipping. It began with his telling me how much his previous customer had tipped him. It was a very large amount. Then he started talking about how cheap some people are Ooh. and how little they tip. He said he wouldn't put himself out for people who don't tip him appropriately. <laughs> the, con <laughs> the conversation left me feeling uncomfortable, and I ended up tipping him more than I would usually tip, which of course made me angry. Abby slash the Never Better podcast. <laughs> they didn't know at the time, but with the benefit of hindsight. Right. Do you think this was an appropriate conversation for a hairdresser to have with a client? I would also be interested in hearing what your readers think is an appropriate amount to tip. Please don't use my name or location. Thank you for your help. <laughs> I missed that when I read it. <laughs> you don't have to put it. I guess it's on the envelope. Because people use envelope. Uh, from Curious. And this is when nowhere. they do like Dear Curious. Yeah, Dear Curious. Okay. okay. So the hairdresser is clearly angling, angling here. Aha. Jinx. You owe me something that's not a Bud Light. What? I think the insinuation here is that <laughs> Spencer just scowled by oh, taking like a sip of his Bud Light. Uh, playing Stump. You ever play Stump? No, what is that? Oh, man, that's a whole conversation. The drinking game. Uh, the most backwoods drinking game you can picture. Does it involve a tree stump? Oh, yes. Back Nevertheless. to your point. Yeah, so, I mean, the, I think the hairdresser, the insinuation here is clearly that the this this person... Bad tipper. Bad tipper. Absolutely. Couldn't be clearer to me. But I get the feeling you have some sort of reservation. Well, I... Hmm... The, the hairdresser is certainly not being very discreet. Oh, no. About this. Not. <laughs> um, if you ever have a conversation with someone you're not happy with and you use the phrase, some people, you're not being sneaky. I, mean, I would also assume if she's been, if, if this person's been going to this, this hairdresser for 14 years. 14 years. Probably been tipping the same amount of money. Probably. Consistently. Probably consistently. We can imagine. It is curious why after 14 years, <laughs> the, the this is point. the time where the hairdressers had enough. I mean, how, how much do you tip a hairdresser? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Dear Curious, according to Letitia Baldridge's The New Manners for the 90s, <laughs> published <laughs> I, by Ross and Associates, New York. I'd love to read that book. Right? Quote, at an expensive posh place, you would tip. 20% of the total bill to your hairdresser if you're having a cut or color or perm. These are back, this is back in the days of perms. Right. Jerry curl. Do people still get perms? I think so. I hope so. 15% uh, of the total bill if you're just having a wash and set or a wash and blow dry. $2 to the shampoo person. $2 minimum or 15% of the cost of the manicure to the manicurist. Whoa. At a modest establishment, you would tip 10% of the bill to the hairdresser. $1 to the shampoo person. If your hairdresser and shampoo person are one and the same, a dollar more for the shampoo. <laughs> and $1 to $2 for the manicurist. 
For a hairdresser to tell a client how much or little the previous customer tipped is inexcusable and also stupid. If you, this is this is Abby. This is not me. If you like him, give him this tip from me. Never discuss how much or little other clients tip. That is good practice. I mean, don't Yeah. You're never going to come off sounding good if you're like, "Man, those other guys, shoo." Let me tell you, 50% minimum. You also don't sound good if you are the patron and you're giving them advice on... That is true. ...what they should and should not say. Don't tell me how to tip you. (laughs) Not good. You know what the worst practice is? Uh, I've only ever seen this in smug posts people have made online. Thank Mm -hmm. God. I think if I ever had seen it in my days of work in food service, I would have gone to prison. Have you heard of this thing? It's, It's like suburban dads will do it. Where they'll they'll start they'll, they'll be very pleased with themselves too and be like what I do is I, I when I go to a restaurant I put like fifteen dollars on the table in fives and then oh, and as take- the service gets worse I take a five away or whatever. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ Ugh. I guess we should probably just do away with the whole tipping thing right I mean yeah it, this this could all be avoided if restaurants etc would just pay people what they're worth right uh, so I think that I, uh, I think there's two people in the wrong here. Everybody involved is sort of... <laughs> One of them's Abby for not referring this question to us in the first place. Have you ever been to uh, like a, a hair... Like a proper salon? A hair cuttery where <laughs> the person cutting your hair is different than the person that's shampooing your hair? I have not. I got to say. I've never we, seen that. We are two dudes. I don't... I, I, yeah, I've never <laughs> I, been to many. I have never paid more than like $30 for a haircut plus yeah. tip in my life. I've never sat under those big, like, half ah, domes yeah, yeah, the, yeah. that they dry your hair with. They look cool, though, huh? They do look cool. So, yeah, probably this lady is t- tipping... Abysmally. Egregiously low. Yeah. This guy if, if is not tip, being very subtle. If your tip at a salon has change involved, yeah, you're tipping too low. Yeah. Round it up, cheapskate. I, yeah. Un- yeah. In, in almost all situations, if you use the phrase... I'll, can I have the change back? Ooh, it's not good. That's not okay. Well, I think we solved Curious's problem. I don't know that we well, did necessarily, but more, I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm ready to move on. You know what? Let's let's move on to the. I want to do the one that the you, heavy hitter. The heavy hitter. Okay. We'll have more in the backlog. All right, listener. I'm I'm going to speak directly to you now. You are not prepared for where this one is going to go. I'm just going to say that this this one contained to avoid giving the game away. I won't tell you the specifics here, but there is a uh, a twist, uh, a volta, as you might uh, use if we were describing a sonnet, that really uh, really puts this on another level. Dear Abby, this is from November 14th. Are you going to read the headline first? Or? Absolutely not. No. Okay. That would you think that gives it away? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Because I really like the headline. I, I It's okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. November 14th, 1999. Dear Abby... Will you please ask your readers to take a minute to think about how they treat people who are different or unique? These days, we seem to care about how we treat people who are disabled or in a minority. (laughs) They're phrasing, not mine. However, some of us seem to forget that all people should be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect, regardless of who they are or what they do. Next sentence. (laughs) My son 
is an Elvis impersonator. (laughs) And they get some clarification here for those of you who are somehow not familiar with the concept. Now, I'm not talking about some clairvoyant who thinks he channels Elvis. That would be ridiculous. Don't worry. He's perfectly normal. Uh, I'm talking about a talented singer who works hard at his profession of recreating the Elvis concert experience. He was even selected to be in a new film on impersonators called Almost Elvis. More on that later. But you would not believe the way some people treat him in public. (laughs) Although he doesn't walk around in a jumpsuit, he must look the part with black hair and sideburns. It amazes and upsets me how rude and insensitive people can be with their smart remarks. If they stopped to think for a minute about the golden rule, about choosing to build up rather than tear down those Mm -hmm. around them, then we might have a little more kindness in the world. Elvis was known for his kindness to strangers. (laughs) I love that part. (laughs) Is that true? I think he was mostly known for the jumpsuits and the pompadour and like, you know, the pelvic thrusting. Right, yeah. Uh, and I think we could all take a lesson from him, from uh, Protective Little Mama in Olympia, Washington. <laughs> uh, There's a lot of angles to this one. Yeah, it's it's like looking into a prism. Like a part of me is kind of like, like this mother is really supportive. Extraordinarily supportive. Of her son, I, I the love Elvis impersonator. Her. Yes. Be nice to my boy. He can't help it. This is who he is. (laughs) But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. your son is an Elvis impersonator. Yeah, he's an Elvis impersonator. An inherently goofy job. (laughs) Like. Or hobby. Profession. Profession. Calling. I wonder if we can get this guy on the show. There, see, the thing is, he's in a movie. Yeah, he is credited. He was selected to be in a movie, which really does narrow it down. So it is not inconceivable that we could identify this specific person. I don't, but I, what I wonder is when she says he was asked to do it, like... I think he signed up and then they called him back. Or Yeah, well, like, was this like an audition that... No, uh, they, it wasn't... I, I they contacted a, little, a lot of Elvis impersonators? Well, I think a lot of Elvis impersonators contacted the director. Oh, okay. Whose credits in directing include this movie and another movie about a different Elvis impersonator who died on stage in the middle of a performance. This is a real person that died on stage? Yes, or, yes, yes. Oh, okay. A real Elvis impersonator. Uh, I used to went out like, uh, you know... Doing what he loved, yeah. yeah. I gotta say, the IMDb reviews, and there are not many... For almost Elvis. I wonder if we can get a copy of that. Spectacular. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Really? We should we haven't done a movie for this podcast. Movie review. Maybe we ought to Almost Elvis. Almost Elvis. Western Virginia. Uh the reviews are spectacular. Uh, not not that they are uniformly I mean they're like pretty positive, but the like the reviews themselves. <laughs> uh IMDB user Michael5, it's M-E-I-K-E-L, oh. on the 23rd of October, the year 2000. <laughs> See, one of my favorite things, I'm, I'm, I keep interrupting myself, but one of my favorite things is discovering a whole weird little world yeah. that I never had any clue about. Uh, the review reads, a great documentary about Elvis impersonators. Wait. And that's not the entirety. But I okay, know. Go ahead, go ahead. The movie uh-huh. is about... Elvis impersonators. impersonators. Yes, yeah, almost Elvis. Not Elvis. It's called Almost Elvis. I didn't connect those dots. I thought I thought 
this this woman's child was playing Elvis in this movie. Oh no 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 no! It's a documentary about Elvis impersonators. I see. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Even better, yeah. by the way. First of all, the review continues. I want to say this film is no music film with lots of performances and shows. This is one thing that disappointed me about the film. There are, however, a lot of interesting interviews with impersonators like Quentin Flagg, <laughs> Irv Cass, <laughs> Doug Church, Johnny Thompson, and others. He's rattling these off as if oh, this give is me a minute. common knowledge. Give me a minute. Okay. Right. The impersonators in this movie are unfortunately not the elite. <laughs> <laughs> not the best there is. Okay, Doug Church belongs to the best there is because he can sound very, very similar to Elvis. If you are looking for the absolutely best impersonators there is, I have a couple of names for you. <laughs> Trent Carlini, Rick Saucedo, Sean Clush, Johnny Hera, Johnny Earl, Eddie Miles. I want this guy on the podcast. <laughs> 22 years later. <laughs> that's the, the, my, that, that is, the, the lists of names are my favorite part. That's, like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Because also no one was asking for these right. in the review of this movie. By the way, if you're interested, <laughs> uh, user Royride, uh, I'm just going to try to read this the way it was written. It's going to sound like William Shatner because that's <laughs> how it was written. I enjoyed this movie very much, but of course I would. <laughs> I haven't even got to the next sentence is the one that's going to kill you. Because like, who are these people? Well, I'm about to tell you. Okay, I'm sorry. Here we but go. of course, comma, I would. Because I am also an Elvis tribute artist. <laughs> tribute artist. The Elvis tribute artist, or ETA, phenomena, is all about <laughs> keeping the legend of the greatest entertainer alive for the fans who remember him with passion and dignity. But also... To introduce his style of music and down-to-earth lyrics to the younger generations. Who never experienced his charisma and charm <laughs> while performing live shows to sold-out audiences. Elvis never took himself seriously. And you can see that in his playfulness as he teased the members of his band and many fans. The word impersonator is outdated. Is this guy doing a movie review or is he just... It's sort of a slice of life. Really. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, and we aren't trying to look like Elvis. That is impossible. Unless you torture yourself. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> With 20 different plastic surgery operations or just naturally resemble his facial features. Irv Cass. Robert Washington, <laughs> Doug Church, Quentin Flagg, and all the other ETAs are extremely devoted and worked very hard. ETAs is the best. <laughs> yeah, what's your ETA? Oh, Doug Church, for sure. Uh, to become professional artists who are only singing for the love of music, not for the money. <laughs> That is simply a bonus if you are deemed great by the loyal fan base. Contrary to what you see in the audiences of this movie, most of the fans of ETAs are actually very young. Uh, is that true? That no, right? that's false. I guarantee you. No one under the age of like 55 has ever sought out an Elvis impersonator. I'm a big ETA fan. Yeah, sorry, yes, ETA. 
if you enjoyed this movie, I recommend that you try and see the two sequels that I know of. (laughs) The King's Men, Volume 1 and 2. Oh, my God. Produced by, can you guess the name of the studio? Uh, That's right. It's Blue Suede Films. (laughs) It's certainly got a niche. Every day there is a new and very talented ETA that is trying to win competitions like the ones featured in this movie and finally become recognized for their talent. I think that's not quite true. I don't think there's a new one born every day. No. But you know what? I am a, I am a newcomer to this you, world. Yeah, that's right, yeah. For all I know, that that is completely accurate. The two Have sequels, some respect for the scene. And it's many major players. <laughs> it's many young fans. Such as Steve Segura. Paul Halverstadt, and the legendary Jesse Aaron. Are these people all in Vegas? <laughs> uh, well, the one, the guy who died on stage was in uh, Wisconsin. There's an, there's in, an ETA scene in Wisconsin. At least, well, there was. I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like this a lot. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> were there only two reviews? Uh, there were three, but the third but one wasn't really as good. The third, the, one, two is, the third one is genuine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm willing to pay any amount of money to rent this on Amazon. Let's see. Almost Elvis. Amazon. What year was this uh, movie released? 9, 2000. 2000? Okay. Watch Almost Elvis Prime Video, Amazon.com. Let's see. Is it... Uh... No, it's currently unavailable to watch in my location. Oh, we got to get a VPN. We got to get a VPN. That's so sad. I'm going to watch this. I got to know. Mm-hmm. I once watched a documentary about, like, prize chickens oh the the competitive chicken raising is that a thing like show chickens yeah oh dear abby was not as supportive as i think oh really i didn't even read the response i wanted to wait dear protective little mama (laughs) (laughs) hey that's what's written i can't change that although the comments may not be all that a mother would wish for they may go with the territory there's an old show business saying if you want a place in the sun You'd better be prepared to put up with a few blisters. <laughs> Since your son is respected in his profession, I'm hoping he receives his share of compliments By to make whom? up for any hurt. Sorry? By whom? Uh, other ETAs. Other ETAs. And his many loyal fans. Okay. The, Qu- the, Quentin Flagg is Quentin a big Flagg, fan. Quentin Flagg, Irv Cass, Doug Church, <laughs> Robert Washington. I'm sure... Uh, can, I'm I hoping, just, can I just say real quick? Please. I'm not saying we do this. But you if want we, to become Elvis impersonator? No, oh, sorry, no. ETAs. No, no. I, I keep catching myself. What I'm saying is, if we like put it, made a genuine effort to do it, we <laughs> could get one of these guys to like call into the podcast. Probably, these kind of guys will take any opportunity to talk about. I mean, I sure would if I were in their Elvis shoes. or if I mean it's their the passion. ETA scene. Yeah, I'm sure they would talk about it. I am. Maybe it's the one and a half beers that I've had. But I am seriously considering it. Let's call, uh, let's get Quentin Flagg's uh, Twitter account. Let's see. Who who are the ones that, uh, it looks like if we're looking for the absolutely best ones, Trent Carlini, Rick Saucedo, Sean Clush, Johnny Hara, John Harrow, Eddie Miles. K-L-U-S-H. Clush. Clush. Clush? Maybe it's Clush. I like Clush. I like Clush more Come too. through in the Clush. <laughs> but yeah, uh, dear Abby, not so... Uh, yeah, Not she's so warm. Kind of like, oh, what are you going to do? Cold hard uh, <laughs> reality. That newspaper money, you know, changes people. Yeah. <laughs> Generational uh, column money. What a weird way to make a living. 
Yeah. Responding to anonymous like, what letters. What makes in the her? Why, why is she? Why is her entire family? Is what I'm saying. That's a good point, too. I mean, like, if I was like some sort of omniscient power, mm-hmm. like, this is what I would be using my powers for to like see where these people are. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, a peek through the veil, you know, there's world hunger and all that stuff, which is all, it's all fine. <laughs> all well and good. We'll get there. But this is really <laughs> this where, is where the money is. This is where the curiosity lies. Let's, uh, let's see if we can make this happen. I'm, I, 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 I uh, think... but we have to go in with a plan. If we're involving someone else in this stupid show that we do. Well, yeah, we're going to we have need, to have, we need real questions to re- ask, yeah. but I am not unwilling to do this. The ETA scene takes their business very seriously. See, I wonder if they call it that. If I could watch the movie, maybe it would give me an answer, but it's unavailable. I feel like the first step is we need to track down this movie. That's true, yeah. Really get get a lay of this. I wonder if there's a feel. Elvis impersonator subreddit. I am looking this up right now. This is the first time I've been excited to type something in my <laughs> Reddit.com Does Sadie slash do that a lot? El- yeah, this is how she talks. Oh, okay. Reddit.com slash r slash Elvis. How do you Elvis fans feel about Elvis impersonators that are actually pretty good? Do do any of these? <laughs> the answer is I'm conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> it's not right, but yet it's so irresistible. Because I guess, like, oh my, they call them ETAs. <laughs> oh my god, this is a... <laughs> that's incredible. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Steve Michaels. This is Elvis at the Edinburgh Playhouse last year, and he was stunning. Looked like him, sang like him, and even chatted and blathered like him. Man. Guys like Terry Mike Jeffrey, Ron Glazer, Joe Varvary, Jamie Kelly, post-ETA, and even women performers inspired by Elvis like Kathleen Willems. If you take nothing away from this podcast, just take away Please, the yes. fact that ETAs are real and it's a real scene. It's a real community out there, and you would be honored to be a part of it. And we should treat them with kindness respect, and respect. dignity. You ever have the Elvis sandwich? The uh, fried bananas and pickles or no, no, peanut pi- butter. Like pickles? Or fried bologna or what is it? I think it, it's, what? I don't know. I've, I've had one, but I, I, I guess I never really know what the real Elvis sandwich I'm is. I'm aware of the fact that there is an Elvis sandwich, but. it's Oh, yeah. It's peanut butter, bacon, honey, banana on uh, white bread toasted. That doesn't seem awful. Oh, it's terrific. I bet. Oh, it's so good. At first, I was like, when I was a kid, I heard about it. I was like, peanut butter, bacon. Ugh, so wait, it's bananas. white bread, toasted white bread, peanut butter. Bacon, honey, honey, banana, banana. Yeah. It's terrific. It's stupidly good. I totally get how he gained 250 pounds or whatever. Yeah. I would be churning through those. He was a trooper. <laughs> yeah. When he, he, should, he was performing when he should not have been performing. Yeah, that is true. Call for the show. Yep. And the ETAs understand that. Yeah. That's, that's why, why they do it. That's why they're still around. I'm going to see who I can get on this show. I bet we can get at least a reply from someone. That'd be worth it. If you are an Elvis tribute artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, Please that's true. feel free to write into <laughs> the odds that you're listening to this show <laughs> are one billion to one. <laughs> but if we hit that jackpot, please write in mailbox at neverbetter.show or send us a DM on Twitter at neverbettercast. All one word, no punctuation. I mean, I'd, I'd take any of them. Trent Carlini, Rick Saucedo, Sean Close, Rick Johnny Saucedo Harris. is a great name. It is. Johnny Earl, Eddie Miles. If any of them or anybody who has any connection to them is listening. If I have read your name on this show, <laughs> I'm coming for you. You're going to be on this thing. 
Who knows how long Michael's going to be gone? Imagine if they all respond and we have to do like one a week. Terrific. Even better. Yeah, oh, my God. Are you kidding me? No. I'm... Do you imagine the stories these guys have? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Ah, in any event, Never Better is produced by me. It is distributed by no one. And our theme song is, uh, what's our theme song, Craig? Um, System of a Downs. Um... Can you name a System of a Downs song? What's the, what's the famous song? Oh, my Disturbed. God. No, it's system. What? Of, wait, no, no, That's no. That's a different no, band. No, no, no. Oh my! Yeah, um, chop suey is what I'm thinking. Oh of. my god! Yeah. Sorry, Serge. <sighs> In any case, you'll hear from us next week. Talk to you then. See you next week, or I won't see you next week. Oh yeah, no, you. The won't. show will see you next week. I will. Hopefully, Michael will. I don't want to do another solo one. I'm not prepared. Whatever. Bye, everybody. Anyways, see you. This is the sound of refreshment. Ah, oh, got in my eye. <laughs> Cold as the Rockies. Oh, please, no, please don't mix this up with Coors Light, an even dumber slogan. <laughs> what is Bud Light's slogan? Is Bud Light's slogan just Bud Light? Yeah, I don't know if they have one. Do they need one? I'll just, look it up. No. Down the hatch. Let's see. Yeah, it's basically water. Yeah. People drink. This is like people's. People drink that by choice. Yeah. I cannot imagine such a thing. That doesn't seem like a great. Uh, What's this? Slogan? Supposedly they're. Wait. <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully they've changed this, but. Oh. It's. um. Go ahead. I think it's no means up for whatever. That can't be right. No. No, no, no. No, Craig, tell me that's well, not there's it. like a there's like a couple that they've used. They don't have like there's like famous among friends is one. Famous among friends is weirder, but I would prefer it one thousand thousand times <laughs> to no wow. Twenty fifteen. <laughs> it was when they used no means up for whatever. <laughs> seven years ago that is not that long ago jesus how who sat in on that meeting was like bro i got it don't even trip dude i got it dog i guess that's why they changed it april 2015 the perfect beer for removing no from your vocabulary for the night hashtag up for whatever <laughs> jesus <laughs> Oh, oh, my oh bud. God. I'm pouring this out. <laughs>
<clears throat> Spencer, if you could only eat one of the of of these two for the rest of your life, what would they be? One wheat thins or Cheez Its. You can oh. only have you oh, can only have one. A Cheez Its then. Man, isn't that the truth? <laughs> God, golly! How many times have you run this scenario with people? This is the first one. Okay, but I've run it in my I... head many times. <laughs> to see how you do? Well, see if my mood has changed or my opinions. I mean, I changed. do stuff like that, but never just ask. Like, it'll be, I'll think, you know, uh, maybe maybe today's the day that I finally find out that I do enjoy Bloody Marys. Oh, okay. It never is. I've never had one. Meredith will tell you they're terrific. She seeks them out. We've got the ingredients for them in the house. I'm not. I try them like once a month, maybe. I'm like, you know what? No. Or maybe like, <laughs> maybe not once, maybe once every two months, but still. <laughs> you know what? No. No. Never. I don't want to drink a cold, spicy, savory beverage. Yeah. It, who has tomato juice on them? Well, he's got a mix. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what what's else in, is the, in mix? the mix. What's the yeah? What else is Spices? in it? Spices? Maybe uh, Worcestershire. Allspice. Mm-hmm. Or what's the? Um, they put it on crab. Um, Old Bay. Old Bay. Yeah. Honestly, I don't really know. What I never. Goes in I there. never really liked. Old Bay? Yeah, and I I don't like it. Well, there goes our Maryland tour. A lot of people, yeah, yeah, especially like in this area and... Oh, yeah. Like Chesapeake Bay. Yeah, southeastern Virginia, Maryland. They put it it on like fries and stuff. That's good. Man, I just don't like it at all. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm. Well, I'll take whatever you're not eating. Okay. Ah, man. This is going to be a weird show, Craig. Well, it's it's very (laughs) uh, intimate. That's true. We're still the regular distance from each other. That's right. Just because of the uh, geometric layout of the <clears throat> table that we're sitting at. We're recording into a Zoom H4n for the none of you who are curious. For the audio files out there. The audio files. Craig is uh, recording into a Shure SM58 beta, which is plugged into the Zoom H4n. And now there's a lexicon a, something or other just on a, the table. A discontinued lexicon lambda sitting on the table that uh, I got in 2009. It, uh, it One channel still works. The other one, not as much. Well, I don't use that for anything anymore. Craig uses it sometimes when he's doing uh, either a solo. Well, when we did the uh, record from home the, episodes. Yeah, the, the remote episodes. The remote episodes, yeah. I don't miss those very much. I do not either. They worked, but at what cost? At what cost? Humanity. <laughs> That's the cost. One time I was on the Metro. The only time I've ever been airdropped anything. And some, some I was with... Um, I was with Brandon, actually. Huh. Um, Shout out to Brandon. Some some girl airdropped me like a. It was like a pickle man. <laughs> it was a picture. This of is a, a stranger doing this to you? Yeah, yeah. It was a picture of a. I'll see if I can find it. Oh, you have it. It'll be, I guess you would want to save it. It's the only thing that's been airdropped to you. Yeah, I mean, it was. It. Uh, oh wow! It was like a pickle man looking at a cactus or something. <laughs> they are brothers. They are at least cousins. Hold. It actually is recording now, by the way. Yeah, okay. No mistakes this time. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what it is. It was Jonah Hill. <laughs> no, that's not Jonah Hill. That's Who was the guy in Arrested Development, the kid, George Michael? Oh, Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah. It's Michael Sarah being held by a cactus. So, yeah. What is going on here? Someone airdropped you this. Yeah. It's it's a human. It's a human. It's a green human with a cactus for a head, holding. Human is a bit of a stretch. Michael, Sarah, 
It looks like, like a, a sourdough baguette. Yeah, in tubular, tubular form with his head. A smooth tube of Michael Sarah. Yeah. So somebody airdropped that to me. How did you react? Did, or did you? Did you give I gave no expression. Didn't want, them, didn't want them to know that it was yeah, you that they, yeah, they yeah, hit. Yeah. So they got me good. They got you good. I mean, it clearly still resonates mm-hmm. to this very day. That was August 25th, 2019. Now, one thing about this being a two-person show is that we can't both drink beer at the same time. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to we gotta stagger that a little bit better. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just dead air that I have to edit out, and that's a nightmare. Uh, edit I, out five seconds at a time. I keep expecting Michael to chime in with something, and he never does. Oh. Unless that's him on that train. A lot if of it tra- is you, give us a sign. Oh, there it is. Oh, that's the sign. There he is. Ladies the, and gentlemen. There's been a lot of train crashes recently. Really? Yeah. I have not heard Derailments and crashes. Um, like just a few days ago, an Amtrak in like Missouri or something. Okay, not around here necessarily. No, no, not around in the United States. Hmm. Ran into a dump truck. That's no good. Yeah. Guy in the dump truck died. A couple people on the train died. The whole train oh, flipped over. Yeah. Not exactly a fun story. No, no. <laughs> Most train crashes aren't fun stories. 